Hello and welcome to the Logistics Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsty Adams, editor of SHD Logistics magazine. This is a fantastic episode. I thought I'd get that in there early. It's fantastic because we talk about Black Friday, but also talent within logistics, which are two really important topics for you. It's also fantastic because of the people that we featured. You'll hear from Hermes, Sainsbury's and Argos, AO Logistics, Kuna and Argyle, the CILT, James James Fulfillment, Clipper Logistics, Ava May Aromas, to name just a few. We've never featured so many relevant voices in one episode. I'm so glad that they all said yes. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time chatting away here and I have to go and write an IMHX preview now anyway. So please do enjoy the episode. This episode we feature Jim Bowes, Chief Innovation Officer at the Panoplay. We're in a different phase in the life cycle of consumerism than China. There's this sort of a weird symbiotic relationship between a massive rise in consumer expectation and I want to be able to have something in half an hour, but I expect that the companies that deliver that to have done it in an incredibly sustainable way so I don't have to feel guilty about it. Dominic Hebbard, Head of Key Accounts, Product Marketing at Hermes. You see these sort of television shows and live transmissions from city centres and they've got a great big board with the total sales numbers scrolling up and they're like, let's get it to another billion, let's get it to another billion. If you did that in the UK, everyone would start returning stuff, trying to get the number to wind down. And Colin Donnelly, General Manager, Sainsbury's Argos. We have to make sure that we have got the right staff in place, that we've got the right equipment in place. We talk to our stores about changing their delivery schedules to make sure that we get enough slots to get all the product in. But we still have to do that in an efficient way, so we can't just go and recruit hundreds of people in the end of October and get them to sit around drinking tea. Claire Petrowski, Head of Future Talent, Kuna and Nagel. We're going to focus around the business administration students as a starting point where we can put a structure around the process that we'll implement and come up with some really good solid roles that we're going to work with these students on. So in the news this month, NHS Supply Chain has confirmed plans to open a new regional distribution centre at Bury St Edmunds. The 147,000 square foot site will be operated by NHS Supply Chain's logistics partner Unipart Logistics and is scheduled to go live in May 2020. The new warehouse will replace the current site in the same town, situated 5 miles away. This investment will provide additional warehousing capacity, thereby enabling NHS Supply Chain's strategic objective of securing purchasing savings through increased use of the new operating model over the next five years. The new site will be a key component of the NHS Supply Chain Logistics Network and will continue to serve NHS organisations in the southeast region and parts of East Anglia. Planning for the new Brexit deadline is more difficult because the supply chain network will be full of Christmas stock, Tesco's boss has warned. Dave Lewis told the BBC that the new deadline of the end of October meant there would be less capacity for stockpiling longer-life items. A no-deal Brexit could mean tariffs and delays at the border that interrupt supplies of some food, he said. 
And finally, this year's finalists for the Logistics Awards 2019 has been announced. Clipper Logistics leads this year's awards race, up for four nominations in the environmental category, future skills, growth and safety. Decathlon, NHS Supply Chain, Adidas, BT Final Mile, Rolls-Royce and MS are among some of the stellar names in this year's nominations list. The Logistics Awards 2019 will be held at the Vox Resorts World Birmingham on Thursday the 26th of September in conjunction with this year's IMHX 2019. To book your place for the gala evening ceremony, please go to logisticsawards.co.uk. That's the news from me. Here is David Tame for the latest developments across the UK logistics property market. Thank you, David. And now for the property news. And the news is that Jaguar Land Rover is to build an electric version of their XJ saloon at their Castle Bromwich plant near Birmingham. A few days after the JLR announcement, BMW made a similar announcement about production of a new electric Mini to start in Oxford in November. Taken together, the two announcements about electric vehicles represent the beginning of what's sure to be a revolution in the UK car industry. And what a turnaround it is from the news we were hearing only a few weeks ago about a 2.5 billion cost-cutting drive at JLW. Ford proposing to close its plant in Bridgend and Honda revealing plans to shut its plant in Swindon. So is this a moment of change for the UK logistics property sector as the electric car business swings into action? Well, there are plenty of people who hope that it is. Developers like St Modwin, who have a huge portfolio in the West Midlands and therefore a very special interest in the way the car industry affects the logistics property sector, are watching very carefully. They've already had some engagement at the edge of this system by working closely with one of JLR's suppliers, Grupo Antalan, an, an Italian operation, who took 113000 square feet of built-to-suit floor space. Like many suppliers in the auto sector, they operate at very tight timescales and they needed this floor space in just nine months. That's the kind of thing that worries developers because it means demand is out there but they have to jump very quickly to satisfy it. St Modwin have responded by setting up a special business unit to look into this kind of demand and no doubt they will gain more than their fair share of this kind of demand when it comes along. There are others who are also hoping for auto sector demand inspired by the electric car business. There are units such as the 431,000 square foot development at Fadley Park Litchfield, Evans Property Group and AEW are responsible for that, which would certainly benefit from auto sector demand. They aren't alone. There's a 230,000 square foot unit developed by Goodman at a site near Nuneaton. That's an excellent location for the auto sector, Junction 3 of the M6. I'm sure they'll be hoping for electric vehicle demand. And they have every reason to hope for it. Because although the upbeat bangs and whistles of excitement about supply and demand in the logistics property sector continue, the fact is that if you look closely at the figures, things haven't actually been too good. They have, in fact been a little rocky. So for instance, let's look at Savile's data. Savile's pointed out that in the first quarter of this year, we saw part of a sustained fall in demand for 
industrial floor space. After two strong years, takeoff tailed off in 2018 in the West Midlands, a 44% decrease from take-up in 2017. That trend continued in the whole of the first half of 2019, which was where demand, as is to say, take-up was 44% down on the first half of 2018. We've got a clear curve here, which is take-up falling. There are reasons to suppose some optimism here. Of course, nothing is black and white. For instance, Britain's economy expanded by about 0.3% in May, according to the latest data from the Office for National Statistics. That was driven substantially by an increase in car production. But I'm not sure that that should be a very flattering increase because many car producers severely curtailed production in the run-up to the defunct Brexit deadlines in March and April this year. We also know that the growth in GDP is itself fairly fragile. I don't think there are very many economists who expect that to be maintained throughout the rest of the year. So what conclusions do we draw? I think we should be drawing the conclusion that demand from the electric car sector will ultimately be significant. Whether it can come rapidly enough to cope with the surge in new speculative floor space which is coming onto the West Midlands market up by 59% compared with the first half of 2018 and the first half of 2019. That is a massive surge in floor space. Whether demand from the electric car sector can come along quickly enough to fill that floor space is another question entirely. So if you fancy a drive in your car, now is the time to take it. Hi, this is Rihanna. I just want to let you know a bit more about IMHX. If you are listening to this podcast, I guarantee it's relevant to you. IMHX is the largest intralogistics exhibition returning to the NEC in Birmingham between the 24th to 27th of September. It's basically a great opportunity for you to meet over 400 of the leading providers of logistics products and services. And we've got some great exhibitors, including some big brands such as Toyota, Dematic, Heister Yale and Doosan. And this list just keeps growing. As well as an exhibition, we've got over 100 hours of free education, which is hosted in several theatres, including a keynote arena and tech solutions forum. It is free to attend IMHX for visitors and you can register via our website www.imhx.net. Registration is open and we do advise interested visitors to register early because it means you are up to date with the latest news such as newly confirmed exhibitors, keynote speakers and sessions and also special offers. Just to remind you, that's IMHX returning to the NEC in Birmingham between the 24th and 27th of September. To get your ticket, you need to go to www.imhx.net where you can register for free.
Black Friday has turned the retail calendar inside out. It's not as aggressive as it once was. It's usually a week now instead of being just one day, which makes it slightly more manageable. And besides, there's other things we can spend our money on now, not just things that need to be stored and sent to customers. There's discounts on holidays and dance lessons. Still, it's hard work for you guys. And what about Singles Day, the biggest event in the Chinese retail calendar? Heard of that? Do you know if it's coming our way? I caught up with some digital leaders at the recent SHD Logistics Conference, which was held at the British Museum earlier this year. I wanted to find out what they had to say about Singles Day and Black Friday and how they were preparing for it. I managed to grab them just before they went on stage to do a panel. I'm Jim Bowes, I'm Chief Innovation Officer for the Panoply. Hi, I'm James Hyde, CEO of James and James Fulfillment. I'm Dom Hebbard, Head of Key Accounts and Product Marketing at Hermes. I'd like to start by discussing a trend that we've been told a bit about, which is Singles Day. Dominic, would you like to start? Yeah, so Singles Day is an absolutely epic event in China. So roughly speaking, it's on November the 11th. It started in the 1990s, I think, Nanjing University, and it's just grown arms and legs. It's epically big, absolutely wipes the floor in terms of Black Friday, Cyber Monday. The, the sales are absolutely huge. And, and where it all stems from is originally it's Singles Day, November 11th, 1111. And it's about basically originally treating yourself as a single because there's sort of no other event like it where you actually buy something for yourself. But since then, it's gone on to be sort of family, friends, gift buying for everyone, really. You can see indirectly sort of the impacts in terms of sort of the things like Black Friday, etc., in terms of the impacts of logistics, in terms of planning, in terms of execution, in terms of from a sales perspective, sort of how retailers sort of looking over there, how they do things to drive the sales, what sort of things they can offer. But culturally, there's some really strong differences where they sort of have to draw the line because it doesn't operate in the same way. I mean, one of the really interesting things that absolutely blows my mind is you see these sort of television shows and live transmissions from city centres. And they've got a great big board with the total sales number scrolling up and they're like, let's get it to another billion, let's get it to another billion. If you did that in the UK, everyone would start returning stuff, trying to get the number to wind down and you know, get the sales to go even lower. But it's absolutely, you know, they go wild over there for it. James, what's your experience of Singles Day so far? It's not something we see a lot of traffic for. It comes out in the newspapers every year as there's this big event in China. But people in the UK, I think, as you've already said, that because of the holidays we have, especially Thanksgiving in America, that Black Friday is the big event people are waiting for, which has got longer and longer. It's no longer just a day anymore. Uh, it's about a week and a half to two weeks. But I haven't really seen the volume come on Singles Day in the UK. Do you expect that to change? I don't know. It's, it's an odd day. It's Armistice Day in the UK yeah. and the US, which makes it yeah. a slightly strange day to be celebrating buying things. So I think culturally, I don't think it's going to escalate here and we've already got the Black Friday which a lot of retailers are pulling their hair out as to well we want the sales but how on earth do we manage actually shipping the stock that it's probably a bit much to have another one Singles Day I've not experienced it personally but the culture of the UK is a different one and I think sort of 
celebrating outwardly in such a bombastic way that you are single is probably just not the sort of thing that will culturally go down in this country. But I also think we're in a different phase in the life cycle of consumerism than China. You know, I think we're in a different place. And I think even Black Friday has had some fairly serious backlashes in some of the media over the last couple of years. I think people are looking for a more purpose-driven way to do some of their buying. It's weird. There's this sort of a weird symbiotic relationship between a massive rise in consumer expectation. I want to be able to have something in half an hour, but I expect that the companies that deliver that to have done it in an incredibly sustainable way so I don't have to feel guilty about it. And so I guess that's probably you know, a lot of what the awesome companies that are here today are, 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 are sort of working with. How do we do this really quickly, but how do we do it in a way that's sort of palatable to the people that purchase? Dominic, is that something you're having to address at Hermes? In terms of... Sort Sustainability of and customer yeah, demand. Massively. It's one of the things that's all quite difficult in the industry and in that ultimately you go through sort of the last sort of 10 years and all the customer research has been, I want my delivery now and I want it for free. And of course, there's a bit of a contradiction in that if you ever offer a, an end consumer something faster and something for nothing, they're always going to say yes to it. So actually what we're sort of having to do is a lot of work with the retailers in terms of how do we sort of meet that demand, which is I want something free and I want it now, but actually then bind in sort of an element of sustainability and economy as well and efficiency. So it's really sort of a learning curve for the retailers and for the logisticians in terms of the way we do the research and therefore the way we then develop products that we then essentially offer to the end consumer. James, how could we do it? An example of a model that will work? <laughs> Easy question. I think sustainability is a very difficult question. You know, everyone wants to be eco-friendly and to be sustainable, but a lot of people don't necessarily want the inconveniences that come with you know, having to take a boat somewhere when you could fly. And I think the same is true in logistics. If you want it today, it's going to use more fuel, it's going to be more difficult. And so there's a real balance between it. And one of the other issues is obviously you move away from plastics to paper-based and cardboard-based recycled products but if you're flying them they're heavier you burn more jet fuel while you're flying them so what is better there's not a simple oh we'll just cut out all the plastic and make everything make out of paper anymore if you damage product for instance because it gets wet because it's not in a plastic bag then you've got another cost of having to reproduce and remake that product so there's more pollution and so i think it's it's an industry-wide that stretches all the way from manufacturer through to delivery such as Hermes and it is something that has to be addressed as well as people's perceptions of what are we expecting the idea that you said are you expecting it today zero emissions in a nice eco-friendly carrier bag just on the front door it's not going to happen we have to have some consumer expectation setting I think there's also some other trends which are really interesting that are actually probably making things like packaging worse. So there's a real culture of subscription products being, with, I feel like we, you know, maybe a couple of years away from peak subscription, I get pushed loads of things. I thought I had an idea for a product this week was something to just help you manage your subscriptions that gives you an oversight of all the things that are getting delivered to your house. And so I think that there's that sort of consumer want and behaviour. So there's definitely some sort of education piece about what real sustainability is because, you know, as you were saying, this idea that just because it's in recyclable packaging doesn't necessarily make it better because how it's been delivered and where it's come from is a huge part of it of that journey. Jim you work across nine technology companies how can technology support logistics providers retailers in managing peak periods like Singles Day and Black Friday? 
I think, you know, logistics is an industry that's embraced technology, there's, there's particularly in sort of storage and delivery. I suppose what's happening really now at the moment is that machine learning technology is improving and the rate that data is going into it, the, the ability to do predictive work is just much better than it was. So I don't think you can ever say that the logistics industry hasn't embraced technology. There's plenty of evidence that of a really amazing work. But the quality of the tools that are out there is actually just getting better all the time. You know, even Excel now makes suggestions to you. So it's about distributing this to every person. And I think there's also then how workforces that are highly distributed get intelligence and collaborate effectively. And, you know, when someone has a sick day, how that affects the supply chain. There's all of these things where just small moments of intelligence can be added into that process. Can you tell us of any future trends, technology trends that we should be aware of? I think there are a few at the experience layer. I mean, I think retail, as we know, has changed enormously. And, and if you live in the bubble that I live in, which is in Shoreditch, you could be fooled into thinking shops are still successful because they're sort of largely funded brand experiences. But what consumers want is that sort of stuff that we were talking about before, really want this thing really quickly. And lots of delivery services now in San Francisco, you have things within half an hour, almost anything you want. But there's this sort of experience layer which exists both digitally, so augmented reality type experiences, or where people physically go to places to have a real consumer experience, but maybe do their buying in a completely different way or have things delivered in a completely different way. And so it's the ability to integrate across all of the ways in which someone might want something, both across experience and receiving something, I think, is where the opportunity lies. James, can you add to that? Yeah, so I think there's, there's two aspects from where we sit as a film provider. One is the technology in forecasting what's going to be sold. We have a lot of issues sometimes on Black Friday, and the biggest issue we have on Black Friday is where the stock turns up on Black Friday in a container outside, and then the retailer says, and can you ship this today? And the answer is generally, we'll try our best, but we've got quite a lot of other things to be doing as well. And so a lot of it is, can you preempt what stock's going to be sold, and can you get that stock in the country before you need it and it's getting tighter and tighter turnarounds now stock turning up later and later to Black Friday people not wanting to overhold inventory and selling it through and then going back to the expectation setting part you know we deal with a huge ramp up sort of triple four times output on a day on Black Friday and over the whole period and some of that you can manage through technology through forecasting but there is a point at which and it'd be interesting to hear your comments coming on this is that there's a physical limit to how much you can stretch something within that period and some of it is around expectation setting so we work very heavily with clients and and the retailers to say well hang on a minute you know what are you promising on your website are you offering guaranteed next day delivery on black friday or are you saying you know it's black friday we've got 50 percent off sale it's going to be massive we're going to give you two days to have it delivered and that extra day sometimes means that customer satisfaction can be maintained in a way that otherwise you'd get the odd delivery where maybe it's a day late it's very interesting actually because that's the trend we're seeing in Black Friday overall. So as well as over our peak period running into Christmas, it used to be sort of like an Everest-like peak. Now it's very much sort of like a table mountain, hits a plateau and then stays flat for basically all of November into December and a little bit into January when you get sort of the returns washed back through. And one of the things we're seeing that's really interesting from a, from a client's perspective, from a retailer perspective, is exactly that piece. They're, they're sort of getting much more intelligent in terms of order wells, managing their order wells versus their pick, pack and dispatch capabilities and into us. So actually what we sort of see is them adjusting offer depending on where they are essentially in the sales cycle. So it, when they're right at the start, it's very aggressive, 
aggressive sales, aggressive timelines, but then essentially, depending on the, how the sales go, they then tweak that in terms of customer offering and in terms of the type of sales that they're offering. Now, I imagine internally there's all sorts of things going on with the retailer in terms of essentially sales versus logistics versus marketing, etc. when they have to sort of strike that balance. But we are sort of seeing, a, I don't want to say a mature response in terms of that, but we are seeing the response maturing. But the forecast we'd see from our clients would be, this is what we're going to do in terms of, we go to sale here, we stay till then, this is the volume. We now very much see it sort of staggered in terms of, we go into sale here, it's on these products, it's this kind of piece, this is the volume we'll get. At this point, we'll make a decision, we'll make a decision point another two weeks later, and so on and so on. And ultimately adjust their offer, customer expectations, and the volumes into us in terms of our you know, actually physically the number of parcels that we're delivering. I asked the guys about their own consumer habits, which raised some really interesting trends which I hadn't thought to ask about. They also share their Black Friday tips. There has been a real trend in the past few years of just, you know, really cheap flash sale items coming from China that are almost single-use products, you know, clothes that you wear once and they fall apart, and there's some retailers who won't name that definitely in that market so I think there is becoming with a sustainability piece of resurgence in high quality brands and that's certainly the kind of product we generally work with yeah and I think you know but you do see the value over time and you know I was at the Brompton factory the other week and you know that's a, a product designed to last 15 years you know that's a great thing isn't it you know or well, more than 15 years but you have to change a few parts after about 15 years <laughs> what we're seeing more from a retailer perspective as well is they're sort of taking that on board in that a lot of retailers now particularly online big online players are becoming more aggregators so actually, yes, they, they sort of may have essentially driven their growth by attacking either or of those markets. But actually now they're sort of looking to start to cash in on both of those. So actually sort of selling other people's products on their website, you know, starting to look to capture other areas. They're sort of trying to essentially be sort of a jack of all trades, as it were, and capture sort of the likes of yourself, the infrequent high quality buyer, but then also the frequent low quality buyers as well really challenging environment in which to build a brand and, and if you're a new entrant to the market where people have perhaps become you now I have a, I have some AI that runs on my inbox and makes sure I don't see any of the emails um, so um, if you've not emailed me before I won't see your email um, and occasionally I check it so uh, getting through and, and also with sort of um, voice becoming more important you know how do you represent your brand on channels like that I think it's a really fascinating time in which to get through to people and I think that's why sort of that more experiential layer is rising because people are getting a value exchange as a consumer that's, that's exciting and then wonderful people like you are taking care of making sure they receive the thing they want. I'd be interested in your holiday policy around Black, Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's very simple. Very simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very simple blanket policy in terms of holiday around Black Friday. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, we, ban, we ban holiday from mid September through till Christmas, yeah. pretty much. You get Christmas Day off if you're lucky. Yeah. yeah. I imagine it's quite a good atmosphere in a way in, in your businesses. Because whenever we're really busy in our businesses, it's actually really exciting. Like we we tend to also be busy September through to March. Yeah, is our this is our quiet time right now. There's certainly some stressed faces looking around, some tired, some tired people yeah, yeah. looking around. But it is. It becomes a real because you know it's going to finish. You know there is a day generally the 23rd 24th December where it's gonna quieten down and then you come back in after but there is a real working towards that big sort of ending part of it and the volume through it and we generally try and organize a Christmas party on the day that we stop operations so we try and finish it so that you know there's that last day there's just enough time to go home have a shower and then the Christmas party and then it's Christmas so it is quite an interesting build-up 
to Christmas. You know, it really makes Christmas quite a big thing because it's kind of just right now. Stop, relax, eat turkey, and drink. Gentlemen, do you have one tip for logistics operators around Black Friday, Singles Day? In terms of from an operations perspective, you can see if you start to look historically now, it's starting to mature in that there's patterns and definite trends evolving. You go back sort of five, six years ago, and it was just get as many people in, as many vehicles, as many couriers, as much of everything as you possibly get your hands on and just cross your fingers, roughly speaking. Whereas now there's a lot of historical data, product types, product offerings. So really start to lean into that historical data and use it to start to shape more intelligently your infrastructure, your recruitment, your hiring policies, etc. in terms of equipment over the period. We work on a policy that you know, in the order we get is shipped the same day and we try and maintain that all the way through the peak period. And the, the retailers, I'd say, that do well are the ones that come to us with, right, this is the plan, this is the volume, this is what we're expecting, and they'll keep in contact and have that data analysed from the past. The retailers where something, you know, we'll put in a load of orders and it won't be outside of what we forecast, they're the ones where it's harder to deliver on the same-day promise. And I'd say then that the tip I'll give is to look at what's happened previously, look at your marketing, and actually have a think about what you think the volume's going to be. And I'm sure this is the same for, um, for Dominic's order. Don't just stick in a million parcels on one day without any warning whatsoever and expect them to get delivered. There is only so much that can be done. So we do a lot of planning now, and actually we've found that we're better at planning for some of the retailers that we work with than they are themselves, because we put more effort into it than they do. Because we know that planning is what makes you know, a perfect peak period for us. I would say invest in uh, using your data to its absolute maximum potential and communicate really well across your team about just how much you're doing so that people feel engaged in the hard work that they're doing. A few weeks after I met Jim, Dominic and James, I caught up with Colin Donnelly, General Manager at Sainsbury's Argos, on how his team are preparing for the big event. So Black Friday, it's not as big as it was three or four years ago. However, it's still a big spike and there is an expectation from customers that they're going to get some fantastic bargains around the end of November. So from a distribution perspective, because a lot of what we sell will be commercially sensitive, obviously we don't get to know what the offers are going to be, but we get an indication from our central teams of the amount of volume that we can expect to move over the pre-stocking period, the few weeks before it. And so we have to make sure that we... I've got the right staff in place, that we've got the right equipment in place. We talk to our stores about changing their delivery schedules to make sure that we get enough slots to get all the the product in. But we still have to do that in an efficient way, so we can't just go and recruit hundreds of people in the end of October and get them to sit around drinking tea for two weeks till we need them. So we have some quite robust plans in place where we do some clever stuff with shift patterns, you know, flexible working and that sort of stuff to make sure that we can support the sales around that time is black friday a sustainable event would you say it is for retailers who understand it and have a proper plan and can hold their nerve so what we see around that time is even on the day you know you'll see suddenly someone will break ranks and slash the price of what they're selling to what you know is they're not making any money on it they're actually losing money on it so the retailers haven't got a plan and they're going to stick to it and I don't hold the nerve it can be a very dangerous time you could lose a lot of money on it if you get it wrong for the more savvy retailers who have a plan who are not going to try and go for gold and break the bank who have a sustainable they know what they're going to sell they know what the deals are a long way in advance and they stick to their plan then it probably is a bit more sustainable
Okay, so we've heard about life in the larger operations. Now I'd like you to meet Hannah from Ava May Aromas. Only last year, Hannah was making candles in her parents' kitchen whilst growing her business on Instagram. She has her own workspace now in Andover, and as she's grown, as has her awareness of Black Friday. Black Friday is very important in our calendar. It wasn't last year. Last year, we were so busy trying to grow and keep up with the demand that we were experiencing on Instagram, we didn't really have time to plan for it. However, this year is a little bit different. So we are hoping to use it as a way of just increasing awareness of the brand by promoting that we have a little sales section. I think predominantly it's always been an American tradition, but I know in recent years it's become more and more popular over here. And I did get asked a lot last year whether I was running any offers, but at the time I just didn't have the stock to be able to. So yeah, we will be fitting that into our calendar this year. As we head towards Black Friday, I hope this feature has helped with some of your planning or at least made you feel a little better about having the same frustrations as other people. If you're listening from China, good luck for Singles Day and you can keep it. Kuna and Nagel, Clipper Logistics and AO Logistics all feature next as we go out and about at the Talent in Logistics conference. Have I scanned you already in here? I've just arrived at the Talent in Logistics conference, which is taking place this year in Milton Keynes at the Milton Keynes Arena. I'm a little bit late, but there's lots of things going on already. I can see the forklift truck operator competition taking place, so some serious faces. I'm looking forward to speaking to some of their finalists later. There's also lots of exhibitors. Oh, I think I'll go over here. There's a giant Mercedes-Benz truck. Um, I'm just reading what it says on the side. It says the new Actros. So I think I'll try and climb inside that later. This event is all about recruitment. It's about people engagement within the logistics industry. So it's an important event. We're glad to be media partner. And there's quite a few sessions I'm looking forward to attending. Now, I've just seen Ruth. I'm going to go and have a quick chat with her first. Hello, my name's Ruth Edwards and I'm Business Manager for Talent in Logistics. Ruth, what is Talent in Logistics? Talent in Logistics Conference is all about people strategies. So whether that be engaging with your workforce, developing your people or how to attract new talent into the sector, that's what we want to talk about. My name is Claire Petrovsky. I'm the Head of Future Talent at Kuna Nagel UK. I was just in a session with Claire when I heard her talk about T-levels, which I hadn't heard of before. So I've tracked her down and asked her to tell me a little bit more about it. Claire, what are T-levels? So T-levels are a brand new initiative, obviously led by the government. After a lot of research and thinking, I guess, in terms of consolidating the technical qualification routes that are available to sit alongside the academic route, which is your A-level route. So they'll be introduced by September 2020. But what we're actually doing now is working with our national apprenticeship rep that we have to make sure that as an employer we're ready for those T-levels. The big part of that T-level is that it will have a dedicated work placement in it. And because of that, it's really important that employers get ahead of the game so that they make sure they're prepared and that we can make sure that we have a good relationship with the relevant colleges and that we can ensure that students that do come in on a placement are fully supported and get the right experience to support them alongside the qualification that they're doing. And Claire, can you tell me about the pilot at Kuna and Nagel? 
So what we've decided to do is start a year really. So okay, the T level itself as a qualification isn't out, but the college that we're going to work with locally in the Midlands are doing a lot of work now to make sure the work placements are set up. And we can do that obviously with the students that are already on courses. So we've decided to run a small pilot in our Birmingham branch. We're going to focus around the business administration students as a starting point because the logistics qualifications are going to be a little bit later down the journey. But it's important for us to make sure that we can pilot it in a good environment in one of our larger branches where we can put a structure around the process that we'll implement and come up with some really good solid roles that we're going to work with these students on. There's some good networking going on which is great for the event but it means it's harder for me to interrupt people. I've just spotted a lady called Liz from Use and Logistics and I'm just going to go over to her and find out why she's come today. Hi Liz Beasy, Head of Talent and Development Use and Logistics UK. What have you taken away from today? Obviously you've come along to speak. What, what else have you learnt about what's going on in the industry? Lots of things. I've not had a chance to even start to walk around the stalls yet, but um, just had a great session which was with the Novus Trust, with Think Logistics and with AO talking about the stuff that they're doing, how they're attracting young people into the business, which is something we're interested in as well. Just got into a bit of networking with one of the two of the people there, looking at T-levels, which is going to be the next big challenge, I think, for colleges and schools, and they're going to really need to engage with employers to achieve that, and I think a lot of employers still don't know much about that. And also ended up having a a photograph with Steve Backley because he was on after me so I've got an Olympian and his medals and me on a photo what could be better (laughs) that's great Liz thank you very much Tanya Barker and I work for the CILT the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport as the professional development relationship manager Tanya what's been the most interesting thing you've heard so far the most interesting thing was the talk that came from AO and how a corporate organisation like that had engaged very much so with their whole organisation in engaging young people and actually to see the process that they had gone through in order to do that that actually gave them good results um, was very interesting. You work with employers, logistics operators. What do they need more than anything else at the moment from you? What we are putting in place at the moment is structure. I think that to be able to come up with the solutions to engage people into the industry for them to know the career pathways that they need to choose from they need structure and guidance as to what the skills look like but also they need to know what the output is of having a role in logistics so it's not just about this is how much I'm going to get paid for a job it's what impact it has on society and I think that that's really important to engage the young talent of today. My name is Kerry Salisbury. I am the Future Talent Advisor for the logistics arm of the online electrical store AO.com. Thank you, Kerry. There were some interesting statistics that you mentioned in your presentation. Can you tell me what they were? Well, the first lot of stats were about our career engagement and student engagement. We've held 43 events so far in 2019, reaching 4,500 young people or their influencers, which are parents and teachers, and that's meaningful contact, so actual conversations. And we've been to four community events, which were attended by over 15,000 people in total. And in terms of measuring the success, 
of all of our efforts. We know that 70% of the young people that we've recruited into our business on apprenticeships have come about because of our future talent initiatives. We also know that there's been an 88% increase in traffic to our AO Jobs website for people registering for jobs, specifically because of community events or careers events that they've been to as well. So that's really good. That is very impressive. We also know that of all of the apprentices that we've recruited, if they've completed their qualification with us on the two-year apprenticeship, at the end of their apprenticeship, they've gone on to better things. So we've got a 100% retention rate from graduation. Quite a few people that I've interviewed today have mentioned your presentation uh-huh. and sort of what you guys are doing. So I think it's, um, it's impressed a lot of people that are here. Obviously, you've spoken at Talent and Logistics. What else have you got out of it? Well, I'm here to learn, essentially. I'm here with our operations director. We've got Martin, who's up for an award for Rising Star later on, head of people and development, and our regional people and development manager for the South as well. And we've all come because we want to learn. But we have got a very engaging and diverse culture at AO, especially in the logistics team. But we know that we want to learn more there's always room for improvement so essentially it's coming to the seminars seminars were the biggest attraction more than anything and of course because we've been shortlisted for a few awards as well so that's a nice bonus well good luck thank you very much (laughs) Reese Tomlinson Kuna Nagel Fortlift Driver of the Year Andy Jones working for Sainsbury's and also going for Operator of the Year Kuhn Nagel did an internal competition last year, I won it, so same thing basically, doing the same sort of stuff and yeah I won that so that offered me the chance to do this one. Do you think going to win? I've tried my best so if I win I'll win, I've watched a few of the others, they're really good to be fair, obviously there's only four of us here and it's the best of the best so. Sainsbury's have their own competition that they run, uh, I've been doing it ever since I started five years ago, I've been category winner and overall winner so they wanted me to on something better and this is why I'm here. Chances of winning, that was a really good answer by Reese. Everyone is a good standard. We've all said that we're all finalists, so to get to this point now, we've all won. Did you have to do something here within the demonstration zone? Yeah, you've missed it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you had to do. So the one that's directly behind you there, you can see there's lettering on the stillages on the top. Uh, we was asked a question, given four possible answers, A, B, C or D. We had to then select the right answer with that letter showing on the outside of the next block. So we had to pick up, drop it down on the block, and if it was correct, great. If it wasn't, then we'd have to readjust. So it's then showing the correct letter. You've got the barrels here. You had to pick up a barrel. It's got little plastic toy balls in. And then there's a clamp attachment which tilts, rolling the balls into an empty barrel. And you had to do that quite a number of times. Outside of the lorry, yeah, we had to pick up pallets stacking onto the trailer and then take them back off again with a nice poster on to make sure it all matched up and we've got the previous inspections here that we had to do find the faults and we've got a theory question I've still yet to do Reese has done his and then that's it then that's uh, our competition what do people say when you tell them that you work in logistics I work for KD House on drinks logistics and ours is kegs I've just loaded the lorries up so I don't see the outside well for that. (laughs) Exhibitors here today include Business on the Move founders, Pat and Andy. If you don't know what Business on the Move is, it's a board game about logistics and the supply chain. It's proven really popular with schools, with businesses. Here's Pat and Andy. So I'm going to invite you 
to choose a topic first of all that interests you? Carbon reduction. Now you'll notice they're coloured light green which is very appropriate and if the teacher or trainer wishes to they can just pick one of these news flashes and read it out to the class or their group. There's no need for any technology at all and it tells you at the bottom which level of the game, level one, level two or level three, it is applicable to. The alternative is just to choose one completely at random. But if rather than just actually read it out, wouldn't it be more interesting if you just turn it over and scan this QR code and see what happens? Okay. So, so I just scan it with my you phone. Scan it with your phone you just, it appears on your screen, you then tap it and it takes you to a link, tap the label at the top and it takes you to a link to YouTube. And in a moment, with a bit of luck, we're going to get some action. That's the sound of a YouTube video playing. I'm going to read out what it says. If you wish, you can pay £5,000 to re-throw a dice showing CO2. Or you can avoid CO2 altogether by choosing to throw green dice. So there's a real sustainable element now to the game. Yeah. That's in the game, but yeah. what's really new is the newsflash way of introducing it. Yeah. And the fact you can do this either through these YouTube video clips, or if you wish to, yeah. just download the PowerPoint from the website. And there's 21 to choose from, and we've even included the music at the beginning and the music at the end so you can make your own by putting your own newsflash in the sandwich in the middle of the music and the University of Warwick are actually going to set their postgrads the task of creating their own roving reporter newsflash so they'll use a green screen they use the music and the students have got to come up with the newsflash relates to their course so they tie the course and the game much more closely together that's real progress isn't it did you ever think that would happen five years ago I think we thought most of what's happened to us would never happen. Yeah. Just last week we were invited to Hamburg to go and play the game with Ocean Network Express. They asked us for two days to play the game in so much detail they knew everything about it backwards. And they have now commissioned 50 games to go all over Germany. Hi, my name is Jennifer Swain. I am Head of Talent Acquisition for Clipper Logistics. Jennifer, what is the Fresh Start programme? Fresh Start is our diversity and inclusion programme which is geared to help individuals who would ordinarily face barriers to employment into work. What kind of employees have the ex-offenders turned out to be? Amazing. When you give someone a chance when they have been turned down over and over again because of a mistake they made, they really do give you 110%. They see it as a chance to change their life and a way to get a fresh start, hence the reason for the name of the project. They are really exemplary employees that really go the extra mile to do their job. Can you tell us about Ricky and Graham? Yes, I can. I'll try not to cry again. Ricky and Graham came through our reading partnership scheme. Just so happens I interviewed them back to back and they came into the office, they sat down, they were both very, very nervous. You could tell that they'd lacked a lot of confidence. And it transpires that both of them had lost their wives when they had very young families. So Graham had triplet two or three years old when his wife passed away. And Ricky had a young family as well. He had two children. They spent the last few years raising their children and trying to get over the death of their wives and trying to obviously make sure their kids had a good life without their mum. And when they've started to look for work, they've really, really struggled. You know, sent off lots and lots of applications, not even got a response, never mind an interview. And one of them was a maintenance manager before his wife passed you know, very successful had, had done really well for himself but a set of circumstances in his life meant that he'd been out of work for a long time so 
it was a no-brainer to me that they were going to get jobs. You know, you could tell just from the way that they were in the interview that they were going to be great and that they could pick it up, no problem. So I offered them both jobs there and then and they both burst into tears. They were just so overwhelmed and grateful and they think they could really see the tangibility of this being a new start in their lives and that set me off. So what is Clifford doing about the fact that people are leaving due to Brexit? Fresh Start is in part an answer to the Brexit issue. We have a huge amount of Eastern Europeans that work for us and we have noticed, not just because of Brexit, but I think the change in their landscape in their home countries is improving, so they're moving back home. We're growing at a rate of knots. We've upped from 3,000 to 5,000 heads in the two years I've been with the company, and that's only going to continue. So there's a real issue there about labour shortage. For me, there's two things that we're doing about it. First of all is the Fresh Start scheme, but as part of that, it's about looking at more direct recruitment. So instead of relying so heavily on agencies, which is literally about 5% of the population who are immediately available and actively looking for work, to looking also at doing direct recruitment, so offering permanent contracts straight away for people and relying on our agencies for peak. I'm Mandy Freeman. I am Brand Communication Specialist at Mercedes-Benz Trucks UK. I've just climbed up four steps to get into the new Mercedes-Benz Actros truck and I must admit I'm slightly out of breath, which I probably shouldn't admit. It doesn't look like what I'd expect, actually. It has digital screens. Mandy, is that the new sort of mirror system? That's the new mirror cam, so that allows the driver to see all the way back on the trailer. Much better view than he would have had previously. Is this the first truck to ever do that? Yes. It smells brand new in here, doesn't it? (laughs) I can also see a very comfortable-looking bed. Some fantastic storage space. Ideal for shoes and... There's a fridge. <laughs> okay. So there's some some storage space underneath the bed, including a fridge. Is that a space for another bed? Yeah. Ah. So there's a space for a bunk bed as well. So you could sleep two people in this. You could live in here. This is the truck for people when they're away from home. This is what they'll be using and living in. So as an industry, it's difficult to retain drivers or attract people into driving so I guess it's very important that the cabin is comfortable for them. Absolutely yes driver comfort is one of the key features in this new truck. I'm just stood up and um, it's how tall is the cabin? Well it must be six and a half foot. Yep it's very sleek so it's quite minimalist isn't it? It is but it's everything that you need to hand to make it easy for the driver I'm just going to get inside the bed. I just yes, want to check that is comfortable. <laughs> the plastic covering is still on. But, um, yep, yep, very comfortable. Thank you very much, Mandy. The annual Talent in Logistics Conference and Awards are dedicated to recognising and rewarding the people that keep the logistics sector and country moving every day. I'd like to thank Ruth Edwards and her team for inviting us to be involved. I'd also like to thank all our speakers, especially Claire Petrowski, Jennifer Swain and Kerry Salisbury. You can see the full report on who won in the August issue, which is out soon. If talent is something you're looking for further advice on, we'll be running similar sessions at IMHX between the 24th to the 27th of September at the NEC in Birmingham. You can register now to attend IMHX for free at www.imhx.net. I look forward to seeing you there.
Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's actually been a year since we first launched the podcast. We're really pleased with how it's gone. Thank you for your support. Please keep telling people about it. The more people you tell, the more likely we are to be able to continue it and do more regular podcasts. The next podcast is actually going to be a preview of IMHX. That's our 10th of September. We'll be interviewing conference speakers as well as some exhibitors. So do tune in for that and do make sure you register for IMHX. It's been a great year. Thank you very much. See you next time. Thank you.